So coming to soft robotics, because I think what you're doing is uh, is really correlated with soft robotics research. So how, first of all, you define soft robotics and simulation perspective, if you want to simulate a soft robot? Yeah, I mean, soft robotics, is, I've always kind of just seen it in passing a little bit. I'm not as familiar with it, but it's so exciting to me, especially because it's so inspired by nature and what we see in nature and trying to emulate um, naturally evolved motion um, and actually leverage that um, for, you know, technology. It's so incredible to me. Um, and I'm just kind of so excited by the potential of it. And one of the things we actually uh, were going to do when I was working on NISO-MPM, we did develop this anisotropic elasticity model. Um, and we were really excited about trying to apply that actually to like a robotic actuator that would be able to extend and then like refurl uh, based on the pressure inside. Um, and based on the anisotropic elasticity of that material. Um, so unfortunately, we didn't get a chance to do that demo because of like our SIGGRAPH deadline. But I feel like the application for that is so exciting to me. I mean, and I think that any uh, field that has sort of these embodied agents like robotics um, can benefit from the addition of a simulation layer. And, um, you know, even anisotropic damage can be really useful to that uh, simulation layer because then you can avoid you know trashing your hardware <laughs> you can simulate yeah. whether a material is going to fail before you actually go and build it yeah i think uh, that's also interesting what i would like to ask here again about isotropic damages and anisotropic damages because i think and sometimes it's challenging to simulate nonlinear material with like anisotropic material for example and also nonlinear. so if you can first of all differentiate what significant difference between isotropic and anisotropic damages in simulation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so it's actually kind of interesting because my paper from last year, so CDMPM, uh, was all about this isotropic damage. Uh, and we had two kind of approaches to isotropic damage. Uh, the first was this uh, phase field damage approach where we have this kind of non-local um, system that we're solving and it's actually uh, the underlying uh, fracture physics is inspired by um, these underlying fracture equations that then we can actually discretize in into a system to update uh, damage over time um, and that is actually the same approach that we took in NISO-MPM but really the main difference between isotropic fracture and anisotropic fracture in these two uh, methods is the addition of uh, structural tensors. And so these structural tensors actually allow us to encode the material directionality. And so every particle in the MPM simulation in NISO-MPM has an understanding of its intrinsic direction. And so for, so for transverse isotropy, it has just one principal direction that is either stronger or weaker than all the other directions um, orthogonal to it. Whereas we can have something like orthotropy, where we have two different, or I guess actually three orthogonal directions that can each have a different material response. Um, and so these structural tensors either encode one axis or two axes, because we get the third one for free from orthogonality, um, and effectively, every particle has a sense of its either one direction of strength or two directions of strength, and that can actually allow the uh, material properties to be weakened accordingly based on that um, interaction. 
um, you know, based on just the normal uh, simulation stuff that we're doing, it allows it to actually pick up the directionality from the incorporation of these uh, tensors. And we're able to degrade the material directly um, through the kind of the same mechanism that we were in CDMPM. But what's interesting is back in CDMPM, we also developed a plasticity technique. Um, so it was we were inspired by actually the cohesive cam clay plasticity model by uh, Johan Gohm. So that was used for the avalanche modeling I mentioned before. And we were inspired by that uh, yield surface, uh, and we made it non-associated, uh, which allows us to preserve volume better. And we actually found that just modeling plasticity alone was able to allow us to model these like really explosive debris-laden fractures just from treating the material almost as like soil. And this plasticity model was originally developed for modeling soil and clay. Um, but we found that applying it even to like a watermelon allows it to like have this really explosive isotropic damage response um, through actually tracking the plastic dissipation and deformation and whatnot. In anisotropic damage is a little bit more tricky because we don't really have too many anisotropic plasticity models that we know of. Um, but plasticity has been sort of leveraged a little bit um, to try and model plastic um, anisotropic flow. And so it'd be exciting, actually, to see if we could develop those kind of anisotropic plastic regimes so that we could just use a plasticity model um, for anisotropic fracture. When we, when we model plasticity, what we're effectively doing, at least in MPM, is we're seeing... Uh, where a particle's stress is in space, and if it's determined that that stress is beyond uh, what we call a yield surface, it's outside the yield surface, then we try and map it back into the yield surface. And the amount that we're mapping it back to the surface uh, not only ensures that it's back into its like elastic stress state, but we can use the amount that we're mapping it and the direction we're mapping it to actually model the plastic dissipation that we would associate with that deformation. So we're able to also model the plastic deformation through return mapping, uh, mm -hmm. which is really exciting because it allows for um, things like, you know, the avalanche modeling and our debris-laden fracture. We actually, in our lab, have a project going on. I'm not as involved with it on um, that kind of design problem where you take constraints and try and design um, materials and structures based on those constraints. And I think absolutely, it'd be a really, it's actually, I think, a really exciting application of an ISO MPM yeah to try and use that um, damage simulation as a guide or constraint for designing materials or designing shapes of materials and different, um, you know, different shapes of actuators or whatnot. Um, I think that's actually a really exciting application for sure.